We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one and a half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. And we are live. It is the Sunday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined by my partners in crime tonight, Sports Illustrated Insider Kevin Sweeney. And Wake Forest's own Randolph Childress. We have a loaded show. We're going to be diving headfirst into that thriller that Ohio State played against Purdue. We're going to be talking about our player of the year rankings. And we're going to get into the most Jekyll and Hyde teams in all of college basketball. Alabama, we're looking straight at you. But before we do any of that, Providence won again, coming from 11 points down at the dunk to beat Marquette with two feet of snow outside on the ground they are now 18 and 2 on the season they are 8 and 1 of the big east and they are in pole position to win their first ever big east regular season title rc i'm going to you first on this one man how real are these friars you know i've been on the bandwagon so i, I I've, I've been teasing you guys about it I, I think they're they're legit we know they're tough we know they're going to defend i think the thing that separates them this year is i think they got a closer Right. I think they know late game situation. They're going to Durham and he's making plays. He may not make every shot, but he's making plays. And so Watson, they've shown they can score when Watson isn't. You know, Croswell comes in, gives them solid, you know, interior presence. And I, I, I don't I don't have them. I don't know how far they'll get in the tournament because I don't know how well they'll score it. But it's anybody. It's always a different guy stepping up and they compete their tails off and they got as good a chance as anybody. They're just so physical and so tough, Sweeney. It's, it's, it's like they're the the quintessential, the the sum of the parts or the whole is greater than the yes. sum of the parts, so, right? Yep. They, they have. Uh, the, you mentioned Durham. He made so many big plays down the stretch. You mentioned Watson. He's just such a strong dude inside and get to the offensive glass. Justin Manaya knows what his role is and what he's supposed to do. Nora Horkler knows his role and what he's supposed to do. They're just all bought in, and Ed Cooley knows how to get the best out of each of these dudes. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think the two transfer additions, obviously Durham is earned most of the headlines because of how clutch he's been late in games, because he solidified that ball handle position next to uh, Jared Bynum and next to 
Um, you know, some of the other guys that play in the backcourt, Alan Breed, but you know, I think Justin Minaya is the unsung hero. And again, today he was really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, his defense is special. It's one of the things that has defined this team. It's allowed it to make the jump that they've made. But yeah, 14 today, attacking off the bounce, made a couple of threes, got to the free throw line. Like that, that's huge for them. So yeah, I mean, again, at some point, like you can keep poking holes in all these performances. They're never perfect. They just keep finding ways to win. And uh, they did again today. They needed a, a roll off the rim from Justin Lewis in the closing seconds that I don't know how that ball didn't drop through the net, but man, I mean, these guys are just locked in button as one. I think they're all, all old guys who've experienced in different forms being, you know, a, a central piece to a team and now realizing, Hey, how can I be the star in my role to help this team win? Right. I mean, think about Durham was, you know, the, the lead guard at Indiana didn't really win. Noah Harkler was the best player in North Florida, didn't really win. Nate Watson has been the best player or the second best player at Providence. Hasn't won a lot in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I think Ed, Ed Croswell was the best player at LaSalle. Like this whole roster is former best players who've come together and bought in. And it's a credit to Ed Cooley because there's a lot of teams that are a lot, that, that are teams full of former best players who are not bought in and playing together like these Friars are. So it's a fun team to watch right now, man. It really is. Yeah, RC, I, I've always thought that winning close games like this is a skill, right? There, there's a certain level of confidence that you have to have and a certain level of ability in in moments down the stretch, in moments of close games, in moments where the pressure is going to be on you, where the fans are getting on you. And it doesn't feel like Providence has a lot of guys that, that came to this program, like Sweeney said, that were, quote, unquote, winners before they got there. So how does how does that work? You've coached before. You've coached at this level. How do you, it's how from- do you get those guys to book? Let's, let's be honest, it's preparation, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, you go over and over time again, those guys get comfortable in it, and you'd be surprised at how many people don't do it. Like like today, everybody watched the Kansas City game, right? So they're home, but they get this at a one-yard line, and Mahomes throws a pass in the backfield, and it ends the half. Like, you can't just – certain people handle it, certain don't. You can go over and over time again, but collegiately, you got to practice it enough that where these guys are comfortable – you're able to communicate it with them. And then once it happens, they just buy in and they've won enough close games. They've won enough big games. You know, if it's, if it's today, it was Durham, you know, last game, it was buying them with the big three. There's always a guy that's stepping up and they got Reeves back, you know, AJ had been out and then they got him back. So you add him to the mix. That's just another guy that they feel comfortable with. And let's be honest. They just got as much experience as anybody else. Okay. So winning close games is about practice. I'm going to text uh, Kyle Shanahan right now. Have Jimmy G practice more. Okay, yeah, there we no, go. Good luck good with to that. Go on that one. <laughs> Maybe he's gonna. Figure, I, we don't. We don't need to talk about that, man. That's part. That's, <laughs> that's part of why I got an empty glass in here on my table right now. Um. All right. I, I do want to ask you guys um, about Nate Watson and kind of the plays that he made down the stretch because that I think the great equalizer in college basketball this year. It's all people always talk about how it's the three point line, right? Well, if you look at the best teams in the sport, everybody's got a big guy. This year, it's very much it feels kind of like a throwback kind of season in college hoops this year, Sweeney. So I I do think that Nate Watson is the guy that will allow you to be able to match up with just about anybody in college hoops this season. Yeah, I mean, he I've honestly been, I think, underwhelmed by him statistically this season compared to what he was last season. Right. I think you saw him last year as one of the best, you know, offensive weapons down low in college basketball. And, you know, this year at times, Croswell's been a little bit better just because of their identity as a team has been so hard-nosed and chippy and Crosswell fits that so well. But 
I think for this Providence team to have the ability to go deep in March, they're going to need guys who can create offense and, uh, you know, be able to throw it to him on the block. It is one of Providence, if not Providence's best chance of creating offense. Right. And, and Durham's been great and he's, you know, always in the lane and gets fouled and, and does all these things that they need to win, but they need that post scorer who can give them opportunities to, you know, stay in games, especially against teams that really guard you like Marquette does. And, you know, Watson was huge in this game. He, he had some, some clutch shots. He was, you know, active around the rim. And, and I think his, you know, steadily improved the other parts of his game too. you know, rebounding defensively. That was a real liability for him early in his career. I think he's starting to come around so far this season. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a reason they've been so successful, but they need his ability to score for them to reach their ceiling. And they got some huge buckets from him. I'd also add his ability to pass. Like they're throwing it to him in a post and he's passing the cutters. He's skipping it. Like he's not getting it like the black hole forcing shots all the time. I mean, he's getting it and hitting guys and they're, they're almost playing him in that Draymond green type of post up situation where he's getting it and they're cutting off of him, and they're comfortable obviously with him on the ball, with the ball on the perimeter. And I think that's another added asset to his game that he's improved on. Yeah. And it's important against a team like Marquette too to kind of take the pressure off of you on the perimeter is to be able to give the the, the ball to a big guy inside and kind of let him go and, and make something happen. Because if you're overplaying and taking people out of what you want to do offensively, uh, I think that having that guy that can go and, and beat anybody and win a matchup one-on-one is important. I want to ask you guys about Marquette. Uh, we can switch it up there. So they had a seven-game winning streak snapped. Uh, they were up by 11 on the road in this game, RC. What do you make of this team? How far do you think they can end up going? Are you still – I'm still in on them being a potential – uh, Sweet 16, Elite Eight kind of a team. Are you worried about them at all? No, they're going to defend it, and, and they got Justin Lewis. I mean, that, that that's that's. I mean, he's a closer. I don't know how, you know, <laughs> Sweeney missed, mentioned it earlier. I don't know how he missed that shot. He just – I thought it was in. I was hard in overtime when he, when, he, when he left his hand. But he's a matchup problem. I mean, he's comfortable punishing little guys when you switch, and you need a guy like that. You know, you need a guy that just says, hey, he's, you know, he's 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, I mean, 6'7", or so, and he just – ball skills. I mean, he's just a baller, dude. He just, he has it all. I think, I, I think they got shooting, three-point shooting. They got guard play. They're just a balanced team, and we know they're going to defend. And as long as they do that, I'm not out on them. That was a tough game. They, they, they had that game today, too. That, that, that game could have gone either way. I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was it, it, Providence made enough plays, but that, that was nip and tuck down the stretch. They very easily could have pulled that out. Yeah, it was, it was two tough teams that showed up yeah. in Providence tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, unlike our own Jeff Goodman, who was not tough enough to to come onto the stream and, no, and show no, his face no. to the Providence no. fans that uh, that that understand that they're now they're they're no longer just the luckiest team in America. They're they're pretty damn good too, right, Sweeney? Yeah, they're they're pretty darn good. And, and the defensive effort today. I mean, talk about Marquette and so much of why they've been good offensively this year is is Tyler Kolick and, and his ability in the pick and roll. He had zero assists today. Right. And he had to create a little bit more and score, but like the job that they did to take away, that's so central to their offense is Kolek in the ball screen. Like if you're, if you're an opposing team, you're scared every time there's a pick and roll because you know, he's going to find someone, you know, they got a shooter somewhere. You know, Lewis is a weapon and pick and pop or, you know, getting down, down to the rim and like it just defended it well. So yeah, I mean, this province team has an unbelievable resume 18 and two now that it, it speaks for itself. The non-conference stuff with Wisconsin and Texas Tech is huge wins. And then now in the Big East, they've pretty much beaten everyone there to beat except Villanova. So uh, 
they they've they've earned all the love. Still think Marquette is right in that conversation, has the opportunity to go go deep in, in this thing. And you know, they really guard. And obviously Lewis is coming off of it t- today wasn't his best game, but before that, coming off the best stretch of his career, best sustained stretch of his career, making shots, attacking, rebounding, doing everything. Um, this big east has been fun, but in these close nip and tuck big east ball games, Providence has found a way every single time. Yeah, and, and part of the reason he did not play all that well tonight was uh, he ran into a guy named Justin Manaya, who uh, I, I don't think I'm allowed to actually uh, quote what Ed Cooley said in the press conference afterwards <laughs> when he realized that Justin Manaya was not ranked as one of the top 15 defenders in whatever award that gets put out. He wasn't on the watch list. Uh, but let's just say that Ed Cooley did not agree um, with that assessment. All right, big picture, guys. Let's talk about it. Big East power ratings. I do think that there are probably five teams at the top. I've said this before. There are five teams at the top of the league that can all beat the hell out of each other, that can all beat any other person in the, or any other team at the top of the conference on a given night. So I'm putting you on the, on the spot right here, RC. The best team in the Big East, the team that you trust in March to go the farthest from the Big East conference is? Providence. I do. So, I, you know, and you know, and I've said this, you know, I've been, I've been adamant about these guys from the beginning. You know, well before this streak, well before these most recent wins. I just think they got the resume. They've gone on a road. I like their toughness. I like their balance. And then seeing Durham step up and be a go-to guy for them. I saw, you know, Jared Bynum step up last game, make shots. It's just sometimes we focus on that star guy. And when that star guy for a team, they don't have a star power. They got dudes. So it's just a different guy. And that's dangerous because when teams focus on that star guy, and he doesn't perform to a level of giving you 25, then you're, then you're stuck. You're like, what do we do now? They don't have that guy. Watson may not score, they still win. Durham doesn't play well, they still win. Bynum turns it over, they still win. They're just fine ways to win no matter what. And, and I don't know if we can say that about any other team in the, in the league. They, they, they win ugly, but they find ways to win, and they're not relying on one guy to say, hey, this guy has to do anything other than show up, play hard, defend. And I don't know if we can say that about anybody else in the Big East. Sweeney? I'm sticking with Villanova. Uh, I've stuck with them after the two straight 20-point losses in December. Uh, stuck with them after the Marquette home loss. I, I still got to stick with them as the team that has the best chance to win in March. It's still the most complete team, right? I mean, look, they have their limitations when they don't make shots, right? Every team does, but it's particularly magnified with Villanova. When they do not make threes, their offense does not look very good. Their defense is good, but, you know, is it good enough to win them games against elite teams? It's not, um, you know, but that, at the same time, they have all the experience you could ever ask for. They've got big time shooters. Brandon Slater's a, a monster defensively and guard multiple positions. I, I still think, and, and they've got Jay Wright on the sidelines. That does matter. Um, I think to me, if you're looking for a team in this league that has the best chance to go to a final four, it's Villanova Wildcats. My only concern with both of those is I don't know if there's a pro on either of those two rosters. I don't know. I don't. Where, where's the NBA guy? Where's the guy where you look at it and you say, I think that they can completely change a game, um, which is why I think I would probably go with Marquette as weird as that sounds. I think that they are uh, the most um, matchup independent team in the conference, whereas they can kind of play against anybody. They have the size and length and athleticism to take you out of what you want to do. Uh, I think that Justin Lewis is a game changer. I think that Daryl Morcell is a guy that can initiate offense. I think that Tyler Kolig is a guy that can initiate offense. And they do all of that with all of these versatile, switchable wings. And they got Kerr Queth at the rim blocking everything. So 
Um, I, I think that it's it makes them very difficult to play against. They've really bought into Shaka Smart's identity, and I, I think they're going to be a really tough out in the NCAA tournament. I, I really do. You know, they, they, it gives me uh, pretty strong VCU vibes from uh, back in his Havoc days when he was uh, when he was coaching down to Richmond. But uh, listen, we got to head to our first commercial here. Uh, coming up next, we're going to have to dive headfirst all the way into the game that Kevin Sweeney was at today as Jaden Ivey hit a game winner to beat Ohio State. Flavor 90. All right. We got a couple of questions coming in from the YouTube chat. Make sure that you are asking your questions there. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Do all of those things that will help us grow the channel. First one, I'm going to you first on this one, RC. Is Ed Cooley the National Coach of the Year frontrunner at this point? I don't know if he's a front runner, but he's right there. He He's among the few guys that are up for that award. You know, Calvin Sampson right now has to be, mm-hmm. you know, he has to be right there. But it, it's a long way away to kind of hand in the coach of the year. Well, it'll be a few guys, but he's right there. He's he's on that small list. And coming into the game, I mean, Shaka is right there. I mean, Shaka's there's a few there. guys that are right there in that list. I, I don't know how you could. I wouldn't want to be the one having a vote to make that to pass that vote right now. Yeah, you know, I, Pearl, I wouldn't even know who to give it Tommy to. Tommy Lloyd. Bruce Pearl. I mean, it's, Tommy Lloyd it, is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Mark I mean, Adams so has guys. been unbelievable. It's oh man. I mean, I, I will I say though, if if Ed Cooley wins the Big East when most people didn't have them in the NCAA tournament in the preseason, it'd be hard to keep, to not give it to Ed. Thirty seconds. Yeah, I, I think mean, he's going to get the AC Big East award for sure. Certain. But I, nationally, yeah. it's woof, man. It's going to be tough. All right, uh, Sweeney. If you, this is from Greg Hopkins, if you are Duke right now. Are you nervous about playing Notre Dame, and do you buy them as legit? You got about 10 seconds. I'll be there tomorrow night. I do buy Notre Dame with Blake Wesley, but I wouldn't be that worried. I, I would be a little bit, depending on if uh, Trevor Keels Five, is going to be playing. Four, three, two, one. You're up. And we are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. Uh, we're on YouTube right now. We're streaming on Twitter right now. You can find us on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. My name is Rob Doster. I have Kevin Sweeney and Randolph Childress here with me, and we need to talk about Jaden Ivey and Purdue and Ohio State. Jaden came off the bench today, scored 20 points, messed up the final play, and still found a way to hit a game winner to save Purdue the embarrassment of blowing a 20-point lead. There's so much that we need to get into with this game. Sweeney, give me your 30,000-foot view, first and foremost, on this matchup. You were there today. I was there. Great atmosphere at Mackey. My first Mackey with students experience, and I loved every second of it. Um, but I will, I will say this. This game proved why Purdue can be a Final Four team, and it proved why we have trouble trusting Purdue all in one, right? There were stretches in this game where they really defended at a high level and they looked like the team where they're unguardable on the inside because they can feed Ivy or excuse me, Edie and, uh, and Travion Williams. They had Ivy getting downhill, Stefanovich making threes. They're you're burning you for every mistake. Like at those points, Holy cow is Purdue good. And then the offense in the final five minutes is disjointed. No one really wants the ball. They turn the ball over in a late game situation. We've seen that before against Rutgers. We saw that before against Iowa. You know, the big games this season, they've turned the ball over late in games. They've missed free throws. They were awful at the free throw line today. Uh, 15 of 26 uh, with Edie, who started, I think, one for six, wound up six for 11. Williams was one for five at the line. Like, they don't have a closer 
And, and then the final possession of the game, they don't execute at all what they want to do. And, you know, the basketball gods, I guess, rewarded them. I don't know what, what they were rewarding them from. I guess maybe Mason Gillis made like 17 winning plays in this game. And uh, the basketball gods said, Purdue, Mason Gillis deserves a win today. Uh, and that ball went in for Jaden Ivey. But <laughs> it was a broken play. It was every single thing that could have went wrong in the final six minutes or so did go wrong for Purdue. Ohio State made tons of shots, give them a ton of credit. Uh, for the way that they fought back into the game. I love this kid, Malachi Branham, the freshman. He is special. Uh, but Purdue found a way to win a game they really needed if they wanted to stay in the Big Ten title race. RC, I got to ask you, you've coached before. Have you ever drawn up a last-second play and then watch your team completely butcher it when they're out there? Not just the last second. In the first five minutes, in the, the 16 <laughs> and under timeout, the eight-minute timeout, no. But, let, but give them credit. It, it, you wouldn't have known it watching it. I, I thought they were running some misdirection play and and Ivy was just supposed to come off some some type of screen coming to the ball. It looked like it was that's the way it was drawn. It up, was so. misdirection because Ivy ran the wrong direction. So it worked out very well. well. He went, he you know what? And, and you pat him on the back and say, Great shot after you pull that crap. You put as long as you step up and make the shot, you're like, hey, great shot. It's just the way we practice it. But I, I'll say this to you. I, the one thing I disagree with you on is I think he is their go-to guy. Now, whether he, he steps up and rises to the moment, he's the guy. They got to put the ball in his hands late game to go make plays. And, and you know, they'll, they'll, they, I think they'll throw it into Zach Eady or if Williams is playing well at times and, they, they you know, Williams didn't play well tonight, you know, Zach had it going. So if not, there were stretches of there where you were looking at Jaden going, man, this kid is, you know, he, he's, you know, he's a pro. Like he looked different. He was doing some things out there. So, I think he's the go-to guy. He may not always play and make the right play, but he's going 100 miles an hour, and he can do some things that just many guys in college basketball just can't do. I, I mean, the the issue that they have is that he he's always going 100 miles always. an hour. There's always. there's no like slow down, read what's happening, um, get a feel for the moment, kind of understand what the situation is. Like Jaden Ivey is, is he catches it, boom, and he's gone. And, and I think we've talked about this before, RC. The, right. the difference yep. between Jaden Ivey and Johnny Davis. Johnny's always kind of under control and smooth and uh, kind of gets him in trouble a little bit because he can almost be a little bit too nonchalant. Whereas uh, I, I've made this comparison before. Jaden Ivey is like driving a Lamborghini on the highway when you don't know how to drive stick kind of a thing at this point. So he, he's, <laughs> if he can get there, then I think that that's what changes that, that that's what's going to take Purdue from being really good, but we don't know, you know, that they could get knocked out in the first round to being, okay, this is a, a scary, scary team that I think we got to lock into the final four. The defense, too, but that's uh, a totally different conversation. I do just want to address one thing that popped up in the YouTube chat uh, right now. Donnie Kuzma asked why Goodman's name and face is on the thumbnail, and he's not here on the show. Donnie, Jeff was scared of the Providence fans. He didn't want to show his yes. face here after slandering them for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, I, I did plenty of trolling and slandering, and I showed up ready to play because I'm tough. <laughs> I'm tough. I would fit right in on that Providence roster, uh, even though I don't know if they would allow me in the building. All right. Uh, Ohio State, Sweeney, where, what do you what do you make of them? Um, it feels a little bit like they, they haven't played any big games other than this for a while. And it feels like they were a little bit out of sight, out of mind. And I'll be honest, I, I didn't watch much of the, the second half because I thought it was going to end up being a blowout. So what do you make of this team? How how good are they? What is their ceiling? Are they really a contender in the Big Ten? I think they're a tier below, you know, the elite teams, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Purdue, who would be my top three in this conference right now. Um, 
I, I just don't think they have a, a dynamic playmaker in the backcourt that you need to win games like this, especially when EJ Liddell doesn't go off. And EJ Liddell had 20 today, but a lot of it was late. I mean, the first right. 30 minutes, Purdue did an unbelievable job on him to the point where I think I had a tweet fired up that I didn't end up sending, which I'm glad I didn't, where I was like, EJ Liddell's having his worst game of the season, and you know, Ohio State's not going to win that, and that happens. And EJ found, found himself because he's a great player. And, you know, they just need another guy in the backward to create shots. And Malachi Branham did some of that in the second half, especially. He's really smooth. You know, he can make threes. He can hit shots in the mid-range. He was poised can, today. Can he be that guy? Does he need to be that guy? I don't know if he's – like he's not a Dwayne Washington type, though, who could have the ball in his hands all the time. He's like an off-ball guy. And That's not, that's not necessarily a bad – Oh, <laughs> they won and lost with Dwayne Washington, though. Like, I, I guess my thing is I don't know how you win – in March when the two guys are going to have the ball in their hands are Jamari Wheeler and Meech Johnson. Yeah. You need point guard play, right? RC. Right. Uh, you do. But if you get, the, if those guys are playing the way Malachi Brandon played today, I mean, I, I think EJ Liddell is going to show up. I, I think we feel comfortable about him. The length bothered him. He didn't get off from the perimeter as much as you would have liked. I think he shot a lot of threes. He missed them. So he was trying to find his way. He hit some shots later. He was he was invisible the first 30, 35 minutes. But, man, if Malachi gets going, look out. I mean, he he has the size, the, the game. The, he needs to be that aggressive. But, again, the point guard play will hurt him only if Malachi isn't, isn't playing the way, you know, that he he's capable of playing. I think that's just the thing. We don't know. Early in the year he struggled. Now he seems to be fine in his stride. Let's see if he steps up. If he does, then they take a step up in the league. They 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 become part of the, the equation of who wins the Big Ten. If he doesn't, yeah, I, if he's inconsistent, then they're inconsistent. Yeah, I, I remember the first game of the year, Ohio State struggled at home with Akron. And down the stretch, the guy that that uh, that Holt was running plays for was Malachi Brandon. If you guys remember, there were like three plays mm -hmm. in the final two minutes where they were they were scheming stuff up specifically to get him into situations to make a play. And the reason they won that game is because he came off the screen. If you remember, yeah, he uh, he was supposed to have a, a shot from the top of the key and ended up finding, I, I think it was Zed Key on a roll, wide open in front of the rim for a dunk that ended up winning the game and avoiding an up, uh, upset loss at home to Akron in the first game of the season. So um, let's talk about that Big Ten race, man, because if we're, if we're looking at the standings right now, Illinois and Wisconsin are both sitting at 8-2, and two, uh, tied for first place in the league. Michigan State is sitting at seven and two. Purdue is seven and three, and Ohio State is six and three. So, Sweeney, we're going to do this again, man. Who is uh, who's the team that you think has the best chance to win the league, and who is the team that you trust the most to make a run in March out of the Big Ten? I think the team that will win this league is Wisconsin because they have Johnny Davis. They have my you know national player of the year. They have the guy you can trust. In Can't big moments, that, yeah, we're Steph. supposed to tease that for the next segment, man. Sorry, Come Rob. On. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I've been very open that Johnny Davis is my dude. So, uh, you know, I think their their guys are just so bought in and so locked into their roles around Johnny. You know, similar to the way that Providence is, but Providence is built around one guy. It's kind of any given night with Wisconsin. Is everyone knows what their role is behind behind Johnny, and they step up. I think they're the team that will eventually win this conference. But the team I I believe in the most in March, I think is Illinois. Because again, this, I, I can't shake the vision of Illinois getting like sixth man star Andre Curbelo to go with two great shooters and Plummer and Frazier and a dominating interior force. If it ever comes together, which 
they're, they've had like 20 minutes all season where it's been able to because they have never been on the court at the same time. If it ever comes together, man, watch out for the Illini. And they keep finding ways to win. I was there on Saturday against Northwestern and on Tuesday against Michigan State. Uh, gritty, not pretty, I think would be the best way to sum up those two games. They were not, <laughs> like they, it, it was, it was not, a, it was not, they were not fun watches, but all these guys found a way. And they're freshmen, Luke Goody, uh, Brandon Podzimski. I think I pronounced his name wrong, but you know, Pods is, is, this is how he starts his last name. Everybody calls him Pods. And RJ Melendez all made huge shots uh, to help them win those games. And those will help them come March. Yeah. RC, where do you see under the Big Ten? I got Purdue and Illinois. I, I don't, I, I'm, I like Wisconsin, I think, but I, I don't trust them. I, I really don't. I, I think they're Johnny Davis off night away from being a first round disappointment. And I, and again, we'll talk about how good we think he is, but I think the other teams just have, they rely on more pieces. They're, they're heavily dependent upon him. Like if he doesn't do it, I, I'm waiting on you guys to tell me who will for them. Now he, he's getting it done. No doubt about it. I mean, which is why, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're going to talk about him a little later, but I just like the guard play of Illinois with Kofi. I think that'll be a tough matchup. So even if he's not in the game, come tournament time with a healthy group, they got the guard play that that will be tough to match up with. Cabello, Frazier, and Plummer, those guys are, are – they're legit. I mean, they're big-time players. And Purdue, we've been talking about Purdue, you know, in nauseam. We know what they are. If they're defending, you know, will Jay and Ivy be that guy – you know, that closer form. We know the point guard play is the way it is, but I'm one that believes it's, I'm okay with that because of the way Jay Ivy plays. He's so a hundred miles an hour. You need somebody to kind of slow things down, take and make open shots, not really super aggressive. I think it more so is the way they play, throw it in shot, make sure, you know, the big guys get, get that, get their touches. So I'm okay with that with them. They, they have an identity they know what they are, but I think Purdue and Illinois are the two teams. Yeah, I, I think that Illinois is the team that I that, that will be the most dangerous in March for all the reasons you guys just mentioned. You know, if, if, if they can get it going with Corbello, and, and here's the thing to remember with them. Uh, they've kind of, it's felt like they've been stuck in second gear all season long, but they've never been able to kind of get this extended stretch where they have all of their pieces available. Yes. Corbello keeps getting uh, keeps getting sick, and he dealt with the concussion mm-hmm. and the, the after effects of that for a long time. And once he got back and started to, to kind of get into a rhythm a little bit, Kofi went down with the, with the concussion. So um, they'll, they'll I think that they'll be able to figure it out. I don't know if they're going to win the league. I, if you look at their schedule, what they got coming up in the next uh, three weeks, Wisconsin at home, at Indiana, at Purdue, Northwestern at home, that's probably a win. Sorry, Sweeney. At Rutgers, everybody struggles at the rack, and at Michigan State, that's that's brutal. That is a brutal, brutal six game stretch. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to be able to win the league. I do think that they're the most dangerous team uh, in the conference. But we have to get to our second break here. Uh, when we come back, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the Jekyll and Hyde teams in college basketball. One of which is Kansas, and we're going to dive into that Kansas Kentucky game. I'm going to tell you which one of those teams I think is uh, edging closer to being the favorite to win the national title. Mm. Favor 90. That's how you know it was a good tease when you get RC going, mm, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can oh, only imagine like, who's, wow. <laughs> who's inching towards being the favorite to be the national champion of the, oh, uh, man. I got, in the I game got, that I was got, 80 to 62. Yeah, I got I got takes on uh, on on Kentucky. Uh, anyway, we do have some questions. Uh, Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one. Uh, will Providence ever lose again with John Fanta in attendance? 
Zero chance. John Fanta. Ed, Ed Cooley needs to hire John Fanta. Pay him whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah, the, the, these questions are coming from the YouTube chat. So if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. All of that stuff does help. Uh, and RC, I don't know if you know this, but Fanta's been to 12 games at the dunk in his life and has never seen a Providence loss, which to me, you know, since he called the game, that's further proof that Providence is the luckiest team in America. That's just luck of the draw that you get Fanta on that game when they went home, right? Um, RC, you this one's for in. you. Yeah, this one's, uh, this one's for you, RC, from Aaron Anderson. Why is the ACC so bad? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we don't have enough time to answer that. I, I wish I knew. It, it's bad. I got to cover it. I'm watching it, and it's bad. It's unwatchable at times. You, uh, you had a good I, call I, I the know. other night when, when Virginia oh. Tech played North Carolina. <laughs> oh, you should, I had the NC State-Carolina game. That was worse. Yeah. <laughs> no one played any defense in that oh. one. That was bad. Um, all right, Sweeney. Uh, this is from Edgar Walker. It's not really a question. I think it's uh, it's more of just a, a statement or a comment, if you will. He says, you are dressed to the nines, unlike Jay Wright. Wow. Thank you, Edgar. <laughs> see, see you this week, my friend. Oh, man. All right. How about, are we, are Five, we almost back? Four. Oh, there we go. Three, two. And we are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. You can find us streaming on YouTube. You can find us streaming on Twitter. Please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button. All of that stuff really does help us grow the channel. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about our uh, – it's, it's a game. It's called First Week and Second Week and Third Week Weekend. That's producer Greg Waddell's brainchild. Um, we're going to start out with Kansas and Kentucky. Um, because we got to talk a little bit about that game, uh, and, and I'm just kind of curious. First and foremost, guys, um, how how worried are you about Kansas? Because we we can we can talk at length about Kentucky, but I, I think the bigger storyline might actually be how much Kansas has struggled, RC, and how bad they've looked with the issues that they have at the point guard and at the five. That was an ass kicking. Let's just call it what it was. <laughs> that, that that was an ass kick. Like <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't see that coming. I thought we had a game. And we had anything but that. I mean, from from tip to the whistle was, I thought was pretty bad. I'm not going to jump off the off the off the ship. Um, I I just believe in Bill Self. I think he'll figure it out. But you know, uh, Abaji is 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 a player player of the year candidate in my opinion. But I, I I I'm a little bit I'm wavering a little bit. I'm a little concerned after that. You get beat that bad. That you know that game was. I was expecting it just to be closer, and I just didn't see it. I, I'm speechless with that one. I, I don't. I can't defend it. I mean, it's hard to defend a team to get get drilled like that at home. I mean, that was you, you could have turned that one off at half and and, and never cut it back on. Mm -hmm. I I would I would consider Kansas the second weekend team right now, and the reason why I don't think they have third final four team right now is like I don't think they're that talented. Like outside of Ochai Baji. Like Jalen Wilson looks average every time I watch him play. This is a guy that after the first semester last year, people were talking as a, as a first-round pick, and he looks average out there. Remy Martin does not look like Arizona State Remy Martin. David McCormick, again, at, at some point, we got to stop laying eggs into the games here. I mean, he, he had three points and one rebound in this game. You, you want to prove you're not among the best centers in college basketball? You do that against Oscar Sheepwood. 
Let's right? call I mean, it what it was. He was completely overmatched. Absolutely. Like, let's just yes. call that what it was. Like that he was completely overmatched and shouldn't be putting those conversations again. I'm sorry, but let's just Absolutely. call that what it is. He was overmatched. And, and I and I like Dewan Harris. I think he's a, a nice player, good defender, smart. Is he a starter on a Final Four team? I don't think so. Like I think it, in in certain situations he could be. Um, I don't think that it works when you don't have a five man. Like especially for Bill Self, what Bill Self wants to do is is kind of run his stuff and five find ways to manufacture seals for the big guy inside. So all he has to do is catch the ball and dunk it. When you don't have a five man that can do that, then you need your Frank Mason or your Devonte Graham or your superstar point guard to be able to 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 create something for you. Because right now you have two of the best wing finishers in all of college basketball in Oshaya Baji and Christian Brown. But those dudes aren't going to be like their, their game is not creating on their own. Their game is taking advantage of a closeout or knocking down an open shot or doing something in transition or finishing off a lob. That's just not, they're not built to be able to go out and get it themselves. They're not uh, Johnny Davis. They're not Jaden Ivey. That's not what they do. And so Kansas just doesn't have anyone that can kind of get them into their actions. Uh, it also shows up on the defensive end of the floor. If we're being frank, because well, let's just talk about Kentucky, man, because I, I think that they are the most well put together team in college basketball when Keon Brooks plays the way that he did on Saturday. They have a guy that can kill you at the four. They have the best shooter um, in the SEC at the three in Kellen Grady. They have a lottery pick at the two in Ty Ty Washington. They have a guy in Severe Wheeler that has figured it out, RC. Like he. I was very concerned about what Severe was going to be coming into this season uh, and after about the first month. And he's been really effective in transition, and he's found a way in the half court to get it done better than I expected. I got to give the kid credit. We have to because, you know, I was brutal about his turnovers. I was concerned thinking they'd never get as good, become as good as they, they have because he was he's a career guy averaging almost three to four turnovers a game, and he was doing that in the big games early, but – He's like you said, he's figured it out. I mean, he's he's he I think he's figured out when he needs to be aggressive and when it's time to score. I'm still concerned uh, a little. I'll say this. I, I'll be concerned when they play an opponent that I think just says allows him to shoot. That just says mm-hmm. just sits in the paint and say you shoot. I mean, for 40 minutes, and just uh, that'll be someone will do that at some point. Some team that comes in and plays against them. And I'm sure it'll happen in conference play. That's just less talented. And just going to say, hey, because that's the only guy you can do it with. And you're just going to have to sit in the paint and then see how they adjust to it. No different than how, because that's what Notre Dame did. Like, when we look at this team now, we look at Notre Dame, we're going to think, like, there's no way in the world Notre Dame should be Kentucky. Notre Dame is a skilled offensive team. They're a little bit better than we thought. They're a little better defensively. But what they did was don't leave the paint. Don't leave the paint. Off severe will stay inside, help out on everybody else, and let's see whatever they run. You just wait and clog it up. That's what they and they controlled so, the they controlled the and tempo the pace too. They control the tempo and the pace up, which is what you're going to do with them because you know when you do that, he can't play in that game. He can't play in that transition game, which is you know when it goes in a half court set, he's limited in that aspect. But and then even Oscar, big big fella, she boy, he's not a guy you just throw it in, you know. So if half court, you just kind of say, hey, dig on him, help off and. You know, then that relies on Tata, who's been up and down. You know, he's been up and down early. He's figured it out lately. Same thing with Grady. You know, he's when he's hitting them, he's great, but it's hit or miss. Either he's making them or he's not giving you much else of anything else. He, you know, early in the year, he wouldn't even rebound the ball. So they figured it out. They're playing great basketball. They're 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 playing as good as anyone else. 
but they're just like everyone else too. They got some some deficiencies, and but right now they do seem to be the best team in covering up them and Auburn and Gonzaga. I think are the, are the cream of the crop right now. Yeah, I yeah. think the the fact that they've really bought into the idea of getting up and down in transition, Sweeney, and just lean into Severe Wheeler is really good at a couple of things, right? So lean into what he does well, and it also helps. You get the best rebounder in college basketball in the middle. He basically does the job of two people in the paint. I made that point last night, right? You you can send an extra guy, um, extra guy back to avoid giving up layups because you know that you're going to have to have two people boxing out Sheboy. You basically just send two guys to the glass on the offensive glass. The defensive glass, you can have somebody leaking out because he's he's going to go get it. That's what he yeah. does. He just and he's going to get down the floor on the other end as fast mm-hmm. as possible because he's you know really really fast and great athlete. Um, I think the thing that stands out for me with Kentucky right now is the best Calipari teams always kind of figure out their role allocation at the right time. And right now it just feels like everyone's roles are fitting in. And Keon Brooks is not going to play 27 every night. You know, I'd be shocked. If he puts a 27 again, quite frankly, but like, you know, they, like Shibwe isn't expecting to touch the ball on the block, every possession Ty Ty and Wheeler seem to have a really good chemistry. Grady's happy to sit back and hit shots and be, you know, be in his role. Brooks has been a, a really good defender for them this season. Toppin has come off the bench and given some really nice minutes. He gave great minutes in this game. You know, Mintz did not has not shot the ball great, but he's steady and knows how to play a role from his time at Creighton. Like every single guy just feels like they understand their role perfectly. And when you add that, when you add in Kentucky talent to that mix, it's a scary combination. All right, let's uh, let's put it to the test. First weekend, second weekend, third weekend on Kentucky, Sweeney, quickly. Third weekend. RC third third weekend. Yeah, I, I, I have him. I had him in the final four uh, in my preseason uh, final four, and I'm going to stick with that. Kansas uh, RC first weekend, second weekend, third weekend. Second weekend. Sweetie. Second weekend. So I, I think they're going to get knocked out in the first first or second round. They, they just have they end up with a four seed and play someone that uh, that is going to get a little bit physical with them in the backcourt. Uh, and and get picked off. Um, they just have they have upset written all over, uh, all over them. You know who else has upset written all over them? Alabama. I don't know if I've ever seen a team that was more Jekyll and Hyde than this group. They lost to Iona. They lost. The, they got blown out by Memphis. They lost to Georgia. Nobody loses to Georgia. You can't lose to this Georgia team. They lost to Missouri. <laughs> they lost to. Uh, I'm I'm probably missing on some. Uh, I think they lost to Mississippi State. Davidson. But they've also Davidson. They lost Davidson. to Davidson. And they've also beaten Baylor. They've beaten Gonzaga in Seattle. And they've beaten yes. Houston on a game where they, they might have, should have, could have lost on what could have been a goaltend at the end of the game. But whatever, it's still a win is a win is a win. So, RC, what, what do you make of this Alabama group? I'll I tell you what, if, you, if they're a team with size, it concerns me against them. But if they're motivated and ready to go, you know, those teams, I think they cut, they're not so talented. They can walk in and just be like, all right, we're so much better than these guys. We're going to win. I think that's what gets them in trouble. But when they're dialed in and they're, they're ready to go, they can beat anybody. They've proven that, but you're right. They're heckling Jod. You don't know. I mean, you don't know who's going to show up, which team's going to show up, but they have shown the ability to beat what we talked about, what they beat three out of the four final four teams a year ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, listen, I, I they, they're tough. It's just their philosophy and the way they play. They're going to play. They're going to shoot a ton of threes. They're going to defend the hell out of you. If the, and if you're making threes at the rate they shoot them, like they'll, they'll, they'll shoot 30 to 40 threes in a game 
And 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 if you know you make a decent number of those, you're gonna win. Hey, hey, when you watch them play, you're like, man, I should have played for Nados when I was in college. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm sitting there. That's the first thing I thought of. I'm like, man, he gotta be fun to play for. <laughs> Sweetie, what do you make of them? First weekend, second weekend, third weekend. It feels like you can't pick second. Like it has to be no, one or three. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, in re- realistically, I think they're probably in that like top twenty-ish team range, which means second weekend. So I'm going to give the boring answer to the second weekend team, but they absolutely have the potential to go to a final four, and they have the potential to get, you know, beat by twenty by a twelve seed. Like that's just kind of where we're at, right? And they aren't as good defensively as they were last year. I think the thing is they lost Herb Jones being one of the best defenders. He's he's one of the best defenders in the NBA right now. And I think he was just a wrecker that, that covered a lot of their their woes. And you add in the fact that they've replaced him with a guy in JD, not direct replacement, but replaced him with JD Davison a lot of those minutes going to JD Davison, who is a really talented kid, but also makes some really bad decisions, just like some <laughs> some real boneheaded decisions. And I think I think they live with the ups and downs of of him and Quinterly, who are both um a very up and down player, very Jekyll and Hyde. And, and as those two go, Alabama goes. And Javon Quinterly played a heck of a ball game against Baylor. The fact that they they shot 79% on two-point field goals against that Baylor defense with all those six, eight athletic dudes who run around, you know, like chickens with their head cut off and just swat shots all day, like that's crazy impressive. So that's, that's I because they only shot like Alabama. five of them, right? Because everything else is a three. <laughs> they go on like those numbers are misleading. They go like four or five of layups, and then the rest of them is just those guys are turning. They look like uh, Ben Simmons turning in layups, trying to kick it out to somebody to shoot a three. Like, no, it's fun to watch. It's fun to play ball. I think Jawan Gary has to step up for him. There's no replacing Herb Jones. We know that, but I think Jawan Gary has got to be a guy that kind of defends bigger guys and, and, and gets them going where that was an advantage for them this year, uh, last year. I don't think this year playing against bigger guys is, is, it just hurts them. They just can't, they can't overcome it the way they did last year. And that was the main reason was just hurt. All right, let's go to uh, on the Baylor side. Cause I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned with them, but I also think it's important to note. They did not have LJ Cryer who has been their most dangerous score. Uh, James and Kinjo has been banged up. Jimmy Sohan's been banged up. RC, let's do, let's get through this one pretty quickly. Are you uh, first weekend, second weekend, third weekend on Baylor? I'm third weekend on Baylor. I think they'll, I, I, I love what they've shown. I think they'll figure it out. I'm not concerned about them. I'm just not. I think they got great point guard play, season vet. I'm in. Preseason first team All American on Rob Doster's list, James Akinjo. Uh, Sweeney, where do you stand on, on Baylor? First, second, or third weekend? Second weekend because they don't have a pro in the backcourt. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm third weekend on them. I still think they, they can get to a final yes. four. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're tough. The leadership's there. The switchability's there. We talked about role allocation. They, they understand their jobs and what they're supposed to do. They just got to get healthy. I think I think it's as simple as that. They just got to get held. The one thing that I am worried about, though, they have little guards in the backcourt. I think if you play uh, with length and athleticism and size and switchability that you can kind of get to them a little bit. All right, last one. We got about 30 seconds here. Purdue, Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one. Putting you on the spot. We talked about them a bunch earlier. You saw them play today. First weekend, second weekend, third weekend. Second weekend, they don't guard well enough to get to a Final Four. Their number one T-rank comp, Last year's Iowa team. That's a bad comparison. <laughs> I've, I've said that before, man. That's not that's not what you want to be compared to. RC, where are you on Purdue? Uh, I'm the same. I don't think they shoot free throws well enough. That'll hurt them in close games. And I and like we said this again, 
My biggest issue with Purdue is to whatever way you want to rank them, their second and third or their first and third or first and second best player play the same position. That's just tough for me. And I think it's going to catch up with them at the end. They're dominant in that spot. I just wish they were a little better in some of the other areas like point guard. Yeah. I think they are the quintessential second weekend team. That's going to get lit yes. up by somebody in the sweet 16 that has a guard that goes off for like 40 points. They made Rob Finnessy and, uh, and um, Xavier Johnson look like the yes. best backcourt. It looked like Clay Thompson to Steph Curry. So that's uh that's not, that's not a good thing, but listen, we got to head to a break here coming up next. We're going to tell you who the national player of the year in college basketball is. All right. We got some questions here, guys. Keep them coming in the chat on YouTube. If you are watching there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. All of that stuff does help. Uh, Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one. Why does Bill Self hate Remy Martin? <laughs> Man, I, I think <laughs> diplomatically, I think Bill Self likes to develop a long term trust with his point guards and hasn't been able to do that with a guy in Remy Martin who is. I would consider a bit of a free spirit. So uh, I think it's, it's just a divide that has not gotten bridged yet and they can't reach their ceiling until it does. And I don't think it will at this point. Uh, all right. Next one is from pound cake pusher. Uh, should I take Iowa money line tomorrow? It's Iowa minus four at Penn state. No, you should never take the money line when you're laying that much juice. Uh, you can find those lines that are partners over at bet rivers, by the way, uh, from Greg Hopkins. Uh, RC, I'm going to you on this one. Does mm -hmm. Texas A&M have a resume to bring them to the NCAA tournament this season? Not now. They need to. They need. To, they need to do. You know, close some games. I mean, they had a big opportunity against Kentucky. I didn't think they pulled that out. Um, they're gonna have some more games to get it done. I, I, they just don't have enough quality wins. They they had Cupcake City to start. You know, they played the 13th grade and a few other, you know, the easy wins they could find. They got yeah. those, but I, I can't see it going forward. When no, your best wins get... are Notre – yeah, when your best wins are Notre Dame and Arkansas, it's not a good thing. Three, two, one. You're up. And we are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us streaming on Twitter. If you are watching on either of those channels, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, help us out. Uh, all those interactions really do grow the channel. Yeah, You might even want to smash that like button, right? <laughs> smash that like button. Listen, we got to talk about National Player of the Year because I think that this is the uh, the most intriguing player of the year race that I can ever remember. It feels like normally at this point, everyone has kind of figured out who their favorite is. Uh, and the best that I can tell, there are like 11 or 12 guys that very much deserve to be in that conversation. And if you want, I can kind of roll down a list for you real quick. Uh, Drew Timmy, got to be in the conversation. Oscar Shibwe, got to be in the conversation. Benedict Matherin's got to be in the conversation. Jabari Smith has to be in that conversation. Maybe even Jaden Ivey, Johnny Juzang, right? He's averaging 18 points a game for a team that looks like they might be uh, top five again. Uh, Oshai Abaji has to be in there. Paolo Bancaro has got to be in that conversation. Kofi's got to be in that conversation. Keep going down the list. EJ Liddell, Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis. There are so many dudes that have to be in the national player of the year conversation. And there is no front runner at this point. So Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one, man. If you had to pick today, who would be your national player of the year? 
Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis, Wisconsin, for two reasons. Number one, Johnny Davis has brought it in every single big game this season. Houston, Maui Invitational, 30 ball to, to, for an upset win. Mackey Arena, early January, 37 on the road. Game-winning shot against Indiana to, to, to cap a huge comeback. 27 against Northwestern, business-like on the road and a tough, you know, tough, tough comeback game. They, they had to battle in that game for 40 minutes, right? I, I mean, you just go down the list. Like, every single game they've needed him, 26 against Iowa. Like, he has not missed a big game this year. He has balled out in every single one of them. And I think at some point, like, that, that matters. And I think the other thing is, where would this team be without Johnny Davis? NIT? Maybe even the- not the NIT? Like Goodman, Goodman says that they would be going to the CBI without Johnny Davis, but he'll never come on here to uh, to answer about uh, any of those statements. Just like he's not going to come on here and face the Providence fans that are in the YouTube chat right now or, or killing us on uh, on Twitter. He's not he's not tough enough. He's not built to he, play in the. Big he's league. not jumping out there doing that, man. He's not. He's not, he's, he's probably on the beach somewhere right now. He's a Pac-12 guy. He went to Arizona. He's a Pac-12 guy. <laughs> he's not built for this, RC. He is not built for this. Uh, who would you have as your national player of the year right now? I couldn't argue with him. It's got to be Johnny Davis. I mean, I, I I don't I don't know how because again, when we talk about every other team, we talk about multiple dudes, and and I can't think of where they'd be. Like you said, they they're not even they're, they're definitely not an NIT. They're an NIT team at best without him. He's been the best player in college college basketball this year, and and he like you said when the moments mattered, he stepped up, going into Purdue, getting a win. I mean he's he's been big time. I mean I I, I can't argue against anyone else. I mean there's you know, Abaji's had his moments. Kofi when he's been healthy has been has been great. Uh, I'm still believing that Timmy. I think Drew Timmy's been there. I don't know if they'll you know they kind of in conference play right now, and that's what hurts them. You know their league isn't as strong, but yeah, and he's struggled a little bit in, in some yeah. of their losses. Some of the losses, so, yeah. Uh, you know, in the bigger games earlier on, he struggled. But he'll be there in the end. I just think the resume Johnny Davis has put forth. I, I don't think you can – if the award was given out right now, he's going to get it. He has to get it. I, I, I love mean, I was Johnny. freaking top ten. Yeah. I, I Look, I love, I love Johnny Davis. Um, I think that we can make a pretty strong argument for Oscar Sheboy. Uh, he's not – the go-to guy. He's a big guy. He does a lot of ugly work. He is probably like the best glue guy in all of college basketball right now. But I don't think that uh, what Kentucky does and the way that they want to play works without Oscar Sheboy. And I would also say that if he's not on the floor, who is Kentucky playing at the five? Damian Collins doesn't play anymore. He just, he, he's, he's nailed to the bench. Uh, I, I don't think I think he's him. the most valuable guy for Kentucky. And I think he makes it better for everyone else. I just don't think he's player of the year. I mean, I think he's the reason we were talking earlier with, with Wheeler, with Wheeler driving. I mean, I, I think what he does is he makes him effective because he drives to the rim and you're afraid to go. Cause once a big rotates over, it's over. He's getting a rebound. So all severe has to do is just throw it up off the glass and not get it blocked. He's cleaning it up for everybody. So he makes everybody's job better. But they got dudes. We talking about Tata being a lottery pick. Like, like that's the that's the only knock I have against him. I think he's their most. He's Kentucky most valuable player. I just don't think he's player of the year. 
in 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 college basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can hear that. That that makes sense. Go ahead, Sweeney. Sorry. Yeah, he was my number two. The way he changed the game rebounding, like I don't think people have kind of totally contextualized just how good a rebounder is he is. I mean, he's he's number one in offensive rebounding rate and defensive rebounding rate on Ken Palm, which is just preposterous. Like he completely, and you alluded to it Rob, earlier, like the way it changes, like the in-game outcomes for Kentucky, because it allows them to get more guys out in transition. It allows them to not have to send as many guys to the offensive glass. So they can get back on D and set their defense. Like he runs the floor so well, so he can get back when he is fighting for the, for, for rebounds. Like, I think there's a, a real case for him because he's such an impactful defender. He's so impactful on the glass. Like he, he gets you so many extra possessions a game and he's putting up, you know, 15, 16 points a night and, and it's played big, 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 big ball games, right? Like it, honestly, it kind, of, if, it kind of depends on what you look at for that award, right? Like yeah. if you're, if we're talking about who is the most indispensable player on any team, the most valuable player, the guy that is the, the most important to a national championship contender, it's probably Oscar Sheepway. But if we're talking about like, okay, if you're starting a team right now and you got to pick one guy based on the way that he's played this entire season, it uh, it's hard to go. It's hard to go against Johnny, man. Johnny's he's like awesome. your traditional national player of the year, like the star player on a very good team who elevates his team otherwise, who takes the big shots in the big moments, right? Like she's a different different type of guy. But hey, how about this? If if Oscar Shibwe was better at calling out screens, he'd be the national player of the year favorite because they wouldn't have lost to LSU and they might have beaten Auburn. Most big men don't. I'm, oh, I'm gonna say man. this to you guys. I'm a, I know we, this is off the topic, a little different, but I'm I'm gonna jump out there and say this: a team oh, that boy. we killed, we killed, and I was part of it too. But come tournament time, or come the latter part of this year, that's gonna be better. Is the North Carolina, and it pains me to say this, is the Tar Heels. If they defend, they, if they play defense, that, that's the thing. <laughs> if they play defense and they're bought in, then with a, the way that, that Baycott is playing and how good their backcourt is, yeah, because they could put up 100 on anybody, but they could also put up 100 and give up 115. <laughs> you, you, and you know that they could, RC. You know uh, no, 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 no. I'm not arguing it. I, I just think they're, I think their road schedule. They started out with five or seven on the road, and 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 it was tough for them. I think then they they're changing that and getting a taste of being home. They're starting to play a little better defensively. I watched, and I say that only because I watched them twice last week. And now again, we'll see as this translates on the road. But watch out because if they start doing that, then they're going to jump into this conversation of teams that we're like, whoa, like you know, because of. Armando's putting up, Baycott's putting up the same kind of numbers that, that Oscar's putting up. I mean, he's mm-hmm. averaging five offensive rebounds a game in conference play. So with their backcourt, their guard play, that, that that's all. They're just a team that that kind of reminds me of that, you know, as bad as we were on Kentucky and Carolina early on, Kentucky just hit their stride a little better. And I think UNC could later. Yeah, we uh we we definitely crushed North Carolina early on this Deservingly season. Deservingly so. Deservingly, yeah, deservingly so. so. And we crushed Kentucky uh, earlier on this season as well. But listen, this has been fun. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. If you're listening on series, make sure to come check us out on YouTube for the After Dark after starting in five seconds. So for Randolph Childress and for Kevin Sweeney, my name is Rob Doster. Thank you for being here. All right, y'all are clear. And it's the Field of 68 After Dark Afters. Let's go, Greg. We got some questions in the chat. Uh, coming at us 
there's got to be some good questions in the chat uh, coming at us. Thanks to Gabby, who helped produce for uh, the SiriusXM show. If you're still watching on YouTube, make sure that you hit those comments, hit that like button, jump in the chat, interact with us, converse with us. I don't have any more questions that I need to ask these two guys. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, this comes from uh, George in San Diego right now. The question is, if you're starting a team right now and you got to pick between Kofi and Oscar Shibwe, who are you taking and who are you building your team around? Man, I, th- I think I'd probably start with Kofi because I feel a little bit of better, a little bit better about playing through him in the post, not knowing who my guards are going to be. That said, if you told me I had one really good guard, <laughs> I would take Shibwe and I would run with it because he'd dominate everything else. If that makes sense. That's a real cop-out answer, but it was a real cop-out answer. answer. I would probably go Shibwe. RC. I am saying she would just, I think that he is a better defensive player. And I think that he's more impactful on the glass. And I think that you can be limited if you're building your team around someone that has to have the ball within five feet of the basket to be effective. Now, I think Kofi's been better passing the ball. I think he's like been making reads a little bit, but like that, that's his thing. If he's going to get to the NBA, he's got to be able to make some of those reads and, be able to be like a short roll guy and you know i i think basically is uh he needs you know who he needs to be he basically needs to be boban right like this big dude that is just ultra efficient that is going to make the right decision every time and will uh not be a complete net negative defensively when he's on the floor when he's in there right does that make sense is that is that a crazy per- thing that no I it's said? perfect sense someone's going to pay oscar Shibway money because they know they're getting a defender and a rebounder Mm-hmm. And everyone could use a guy like that. Yep. All right. We got some more questions coming in from Nick McCardell. Uh, Sweeney, I'm going to go to you, for, uh, you first on this one. Where would you rank Kentucky after the, the one that they had over Kansas right now? And I don't even have it in front of me. Um, I think Auburn's better than them. I think Gonzaga's better than them. I would entertain it at number three. Yeah, let's 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 say number three. Entertain it at number three. Um, I think that yeah, that sounds about right to me. I think Auburn is the best team in college basketball. And then I think from there you can kind of have conversations with with anything. But they're dangerous, man. I really really like this Kentucky group. I, I really, I really well. like them. Uh, actually, RC, I got a question for you. Um, yep. We talked about this last night with To. Uh, I think. So when Trevor Keels comes back, right, um, they were starting him and bringing Jeremy Roach off the bench, Duke was. And then in the last, I think it's the last five games, Roach has 33 assists and I think it's three turnovers or four turnovers or something like that. Like he's got like a 10 to one assist to turnover ratio uh, since he's been playing major minutes. Now, I think that Roach is kind of limited, but I think that having a guy that is not going to throw the ball to the other team, that doesn't have to get shots off and is going to get you into your sets and allow you to get all of these other studs that you got on the roster, the ball where they need to be able to be effective, I think you got to keep him in the starting lineup. Right? What would you do if you're in that situation? They got a dilemma with that because Griffin's been playing great. He's healthy, playing great. But I agree with you. He is 
he was the only guy that we questioned whether this team could be a Final Four team or not. And he's starting to step up and play well. So it'll 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 work itself out. But I I love the way he's playing now. And because of his play, now I'm beginning to I, I'm having conversation where we were talking earlier, whether it was first, second, or third weekend. I, I would with with the way Jeremy Roach is playing right now, I'd pick Duke as a third weekend team. Yeah, me too. Sweet, I mean, where are you on? I've said the whole I've said the whole season that Duke at their best is the best team in college basketball. The problem is we haven't gotten Duke's best very often. I mean, I'd argue we've only really gotten it against Gonzaga. You know, the fact that they're... Well, can you we, say that no. it was best then? Because Greco, AJ wasn't yeah. there. Yeah, we didn't. And have now he's playing. And Paolo was cramping all in the second half. Yeah, yeah. But like, we just haven't, like, like they have five, like they have five first round picks. Uh, if, if, if all five of those guys go in the first round this year, which is very possible, um, they'd be the first team since John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Kentucky, and just the second team ever to do that. Who's like, the fifth guy? Keels, Moore, Williams, Bankier. I, I, I'm quoting my boy, Jeremy Wu, SI, his mock draft. He currently has five Duke guys in the first round. <laughs> so, way. Okay, I don't. Let's go I don't think. I don't think that five are going to end up going there, but I think there are five guys. Five in the conversation, right? Five yeah, drafted five guys for sure. Yeah, five, five, five drafted draft draft guys. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I I love I love the concept of Keels coming off the bench. You know, I think that you 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 roll with your uh your kind of um your smart decision maker point guard that's not going to turn the ball over, and when you need someone to come in to give you offense off the bench, Trevor Keels is going to come in. And, and change the way that defenses have to play when you got him on the floor. So I, I love the concept of him coming off the bench. I just – I think that those uh, mini microwave guys are, are very valuable off the bench. All right, I want to ask you guys this. This comes from uh, the Gross Lemon. Um, where, is, where, where is the UCLA love? RC, where's the? Where's he the must UCLA have missed love? it. We've given you say a lot yeah. of love, but, but they but they were they were out. I mean, you know, give us you know you keep, he can't be critical of us too much. I mean, these guys have been out. <laughs> I mean, they had a big win in Arizona. We talked yeah. about that, but they 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 you know they'll get their love. We're we're all high on UCLA. There's definitely no hatred toward UCLA with us. They just you know they missed a ton of games. It felt like they didn't play at all. You know, for about two or three weeks there. Yeah, like, we, like we forgot about it. Weeks, we was like, man. oh my gosh. It was like, like who? UCLA, what? Then the fans came in, then the fans are back out now. They're back. Like it was all over the place. So, but no, we they are a third a team, a potential final four team. We're we're high on those guys. I love the group. We talked about John and you saying I I'm a big Tiger Campbell fan. I think he's is mm-hmm. a a clutch point guard that shows up when they need him. He just makes shots doesn't force anything, controls the pace or tempo, however they want to play, uh, they'll be right there in the end, in my opinion. So I, I, I'm, I'm a big, big UCLA Bruin fan. Yeah. yeah. Now now that Jules Bernard is getting going a little bit and Cody Riley is back, Sweeney, they're, they, they just you – know, you know what I love about watching them play? They, I think they have the most kind of NBA-esque offense in the sense that all Mick does is set ball screens and try to find a mismatch and go attack like a single yes, mismatch. Yes, yes, yes. He picks on he'll, Yeah, he'll it's, go. It's like an old school matchup. Like, oh, is this Rob on me? Yo, yo, yo. Oh, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. who else does that a ton is uh, is Muscleman at Arkansas. And Moss always finds a way to, to make something happen in March. He did it when he was at Nevada. I think they were a seven seed. Didn't they? You know what? Didn't they pick off Mick Cronin? 
that year. I think they were a seven seed and came back from like 22 down to beat Cincinnati when he was at Nevada. They did it. Uh, they had a little bit of a run last season. So I love, I love when Mick does that. You always, you always know who is a terrible defender because it's the guy that they keep attacking every single time. Yes. <laughs> that would, that would have been, that would have been me if I was out there. <laughs> and me. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Oh man. All right. Um, let me ask you guys this Texas at Texas tech Tuesday night. It is a blackout game, right? That, that, that's what they're doing. They're having a blackout. So my question is what percentage of the student section, mind you, they started camping out on Saturday for the game <laughs> on Tuesday in Lubbock. What, posset, what, what percentage of that student section is going to actually be blacked out during that game? Sweeney, going to you. Man, high. Although I think the tolerance is pretty high in Lubbock. Yeah, I, I, I think these, I think, I think they handle the liquor well down there, but I mean, that atmosphere is going to be ridiculous. I mean, you know, like you like some, I mean, Doster's a big soccer guy. So this, this makes sense to him. I mean, there are some soccer matches overseas where you're like, and, and in South America where you're like, Holy cow. Is this, this is just soccer. Like this is just a game. Like, what are you doing? Like, well, why are people setting off fireworks in the stands? Like, like it almost feels like bigger than a sport with, with Beard coming back. I mean, it's, and again, a lot of it's, you know, it, it, it's political and it's, you know, your, your heart because it was Beard and he told him he was, he was a West Texas guy, but like, man, like those, I, I don't think like the average person who isn't like on Twitter all the time understands how angry the people of Lubbock are with Chris Beard. And as much as they love Mark Adams, that welcome man, like it is going to be unlike anything I've I can ever remember in college basketball. I'm very excited yeah, it, to watch it. Oh, it's good. It's it's going to be nuts. It, it's, let's it's let's let's add this. Two questions. The better question is: Is Goodman going to participate in it? Because you know he's going to be somewhere <laughs> up in this. He's going to be blacked out. That's going to be one. The other thing is, you better believe that, that the hotel alarms going off. There's going to be, there is absolutely, they better hide where they're staying if it's even possible. And you cannot, they, they better stay fly, maybe they should fly 30 miles up. out and just drive in right before the game. Cause there is no way they're getting sleep that night in Lubbock, Texas. I, I that I can guarantee you. There's no way. <laughs> there's, there's no shot, man. There's no shot. I cannot wait for this game. I, I honestly think Texas Tech might be the best team in the Big 12. I honestly do. Like, I, I'm just not. I'm kind of not a believer in Kansas at this point. And with how with how well that that group can defend, combined with the fact that, like, they're starting to find some of these dudes that are putting some things together offensively. That, and Mark Adams can coach. I know he's never done it at the level of the Big 12. But that dude, like, won Juco national titles, right? He's, he's, not, he's not a stranger to having to rebuild a roster on the fly. Like, that's kind of what he does. Um, all right, we got a couple more questions. Uh, Sweeney. Is BYU's resume good enough to offset all of their horrible losses? They lost to Vanderbilt, Pacific, Utah Valley. Can they get an at-large bid? Really, only the Pacific game is the bad one. Like, Vanderbilt's going to be a Q2. I think Utah Valley's going to be either a sneak Q2 or, like, a fringe Q3. They will get an at-large bid. I still believe that. But the one thing you had to do avoid if you were a WCC team, which goes for San Francisco – for St. Mary's and it goes for BYU. Just do not lose to Pacific, do not lose to Portland, and do not lose to Pepperdine. 
you win those six games and then you go 500 against the top four and you go like you win 75% of the rest of them probably gonna eat your allergy bit especially BYU is a great resume they have like eight or nine Q1 plus Q2 wins like yeah. they have a really good resume so and, and look someone's got to get in they call it the field of 68 for a reason and uh, if you want the best analysis for um, who's going to actually be in the field every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We will have a new show called Fielding the 68 with Jim Root from Three Man Weave, Kyle McKeon from Three Man Weave, Greg Waddell from Sleepers Media, our producer tonight, and a host of, uh, of, of bracket experts from around the college basketball uh, internet. So that starts tomorrow at 6 p.m. Make sure that you check it out. All right, uh, I got another question. Um, it's from Jordan in the chat. It says Goodman isn't a slob. He just dresses casually. I don't think that this is true. RC, do you think Goodman's a slob? <laughs> he's definitely a slob. Oh, uh, he's a slob. We got to give him that. I'm, 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 I'm gonna go with a slob. He was the only one with a with a sports coat at uh, Illinois versus Michigan State. I didn't. I gave him credit for that. He has one of those. He oh, it was the exact same fit he wore to Big Ten Media Day in October. So yeah, got, I, I was gonna call him on it. He seemed like he, he was shop, he, he shops at the same. He has the same tailor Tim Duncan has. They got like one sports coat in their <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> oh man! Well, listen, it's getting late, man. I'm tired. I got to get some sleep. So we got to do our three cheers, and we'll get out of here. So I'm going to you first on this one, Sweeney. What do you got for your cheers for the night? Uh, my cheer cheers tonight goes to the uh, Mackey Arena student section. College basketball. You know, it is better with fans and better with engaged fans. And it was my first time. Yeah, I've heard the hype. And I finally got to go see a game there with with their students. And, like, the way that they are locked in 90 minutes before tip, like, all in their seats, all ready to go, chirping Jimmy Soto's. They're, they're yelling Corvette, Corvette at Jimmy Soto's the whole time. If anyone knows TikTok, it was it was hilarious. Jimmy, Jimmy Soto's going back and forth with them, too. It was pretty funny. Uh, so I give them a... I give their their the paint crew a lot of credit, and uh, they got to go home happy today. So that's my cheers tonight. Cheers, cheers to Mackey Arena. What do you got, RC? I'm gonna go with the the student section of Providence. I mean, you guys got how much snow <laughs> did they get up there? Like two feet two of feet, snow, man. and you came out and packed the arena against Marquette. I, I gotta get, I gotta drink to that. That that's big time because there is. I'm in North Carolina, and if we get two inches, the state shut down. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got two feet. Are you kidding me? Yep. Cheers to you guys. <laughs> so I got two. My first one is to John Fanta, who I thought did a fantastic job calling that Providence Marquette game. He just he's he's so good at finding the right moments to to kind of go nuts and the right moments to kind of rein it in and just let the the insane fans do the work for him. So cheers to John Fanta. That was the biggest game of his career. I know that was a big moment for him. Good work, buddy. Uh, I'm also going to cheers to Chris Mack. This dude found a way to get himself for the next three years, $133,333.33 a month to not work. Today, he sat at a bar and watched his Cincinnati Bengals make it all the way to the playoffs. And uh, he's living his best life, man. So you know what? Look. Think he can afford Super Bowl tickets? Yeah, probably can. Probably can. and he's not doing anything. I know I know his schedule just cleared up. So <laughs> cheers to Chris Mack, man. He he's living the life that I think all of us wish that we could be living right now. So how about uh, that? 
How about that? So for Kevin Sweeney, for Randolph Childress, for our producer, Greg Waddell, my name is Rob Dawson. This was the Field of 68 After Dark. Salud. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.